Hello everybody, my name is Andy and this is the Your Stories 2023 episode of UFOs and Other Paranormal Stuff. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, every single season we do a Your Stories episode. Thing is with this one is we have had so many replies back that I've actually had to separate them into two different episodes. This being the first, obviously, and one coming out next week will be Your Stories 2023 Part 2. There has been thousands, thousands of replies. I'll put the message out on Facebook, I'll put the message out on the, on the website to let me know what your stories are. And we have had literally, I think about eight to nine thousand. That is breathtaking. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, nearly eight, nine, maybe 10,000 responses and replies and a few emails here and there uh, to my message on, on the channels asking for your stories. And ladies and gentlemen, we have got stories of UFOs. We have got stories of near-death experiences, ball lightning, all that kind of thing. Plenty of you to get your ears into. So, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, here they are. The stories I read out on this episode and the next episode are spoken as the person who wrote them wrote them. They have not been edited at all by me. And here we go. First off, we have Nigel's story. Nigel says, On the Tuesday, the 20th of September 2022, at 2025, my daughter and I viewed from a village called Mendelsham. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, that's Mendelsham, not Rendlesham. Although I think it's only about 10 miles away from Rendlesham. We have just seen a strange, extremely bright white light, a UAP flying in an easterly direction with no navigation lights, not a satellite as it was too low, flying at a constant speed. Could be aerial plasma ball lightning, no sound. Or it could be something else. He's put a picture of aliens and spacecraft and UFOs there. What did we see on the 20th of September? Friday the 23rd of September 2022, a clear night in Haverhill. Just watched the ISS at 7.32 and 9.09pm. Just a speck in the sky, not big and bright white as the ball of light, viewed on Tuesday the 20th of September at 20.25. So I asked Nigel, how did you both feel after that little sighting? I know a lot of people who would have just run away. And he replied by saying to me, Hi, discussed the sighting with family and friends. I also raised this and put it up on the EA UFO discussion group. That's the East Anglia UFO discussion group. How did my daughter and I feel after the sighting? Amazed. Previously, we had both seen an incident of ball lightning while staying at the family house in northern Spain in 2017. When viewed in the distance, I thought it was passenger jet's headlight, but the sky was clear. The bright ball of light flew over our, our heads. Very difficult to make out how big it was in the dark. The ball of light flew into the distance, stopped, then split into two bright orbs. The larger of the two shot off at one o'clock direction and at high speed. The smaller one zigzagged to or towards the ground. 
This was a plasma ball, otherwise known as ball lightning for sure. The sighting in Mendelsham looked like it was just above the clouds, half the size of the moon. Some of my friends suggested it might be the ISS, the International Space Station. No, as what we saw was big. A friend, Graham, of the EA UFO group said, Did I take any video? I have an iPhone 8, and from experience of taking videos of police helicopters at night, take away the sound, and it could be no more than blurry lights in the sky. That is quite interesting, ladies and gentlemen. I've heard possible stories or theories about ball lightning, but never actually heard a personal story. I've read about them in books, and they've been sort of debunked, but it's nice to actually see a sort of personal story about it, you know what I mean? What do you think about that, by the way? Thomas sent a message via the contact form on the website www.ufosandops.com. He said, had an encounter with a UFO in the early 60s, less than 10 feet away from me. Later had object removed from near my appendix, right side of my body, in a hospital in Scotland. Yes, they are real. At that time, there were three different types of aliens operating that craft. I asked Thomas, what did they remove from your appendix? He replied by saying, I believe the UFO I watched in 1960 for a few hours when I was an eight-year-old kid, which was visiting bedrooms in my block of houses, also visited me. Although I have no recollection of it visiting me, as the object taken out in 1962 in a second operation, first operation in 1962 was to remove my appendix, and a short period of time later, maybe a week or two later, a second operation was carried out to remove the object spotted near where my appendix was removed at the time of my appendix operation. I don't really know what it was. I had a conversation with the doctor that removed my appendix about it as I became aware that something was going on in the operating theatre when he tried to remove it, after my appendix was removed. All he would say to me was that it was sitting in a fold of skin near where my appendix had been. But he never described it to me. All he would tell me was that my body was looking at it like it was part of my body. There was no indication of my immune system trying to contain it in any way. He said it looked like it could have been put there the day before, like it was in pristine condition. Later, an older doctor performed a second operation to remove it, which he did, and I ended up on a breathing machine. This doctor, after a few weeks of me abusing him, finally approached my bed and showed me a black object in a small, clear bottle with liquid in it. The approximate length of the object was about 10 millimetres and shaped like a tic-tac, approximately 3 millimetres wide. It had three spikes at one end and halfway down its length was a spike in an L shape running parallel with the tic-tac shape. Not having seen the original object or being told by the first doctor who removed my appendix what it, was, what it looked like, I can't say what this actually was, what it was removed. I did not believe the older doctor that this is what he removed. 
This is because he kept lying to my parent on the reason why I needed this second operation. The real reason being that he heard about it and wanted it, even if it killed me. Jim also sent his story via the website. I have three stories, Jim says. One is about when I got sick at a young age and died. I was shown an image of an ET, which I met at the age of 16 in my second abductions of three in 1969. Then in 1973, this girl I was dating, we had an encounter with a spacecraft, a UFO, which put a show on for us. It knew we was watching it. Jim sent a more detailed email a little bit later on. Before I start, I have no reason to make any of this up, for I would only be making a fool out of myself. I have to go back to when I was a child in 1956 or 1957. I was around the age of three and a half or four and a half years old. I know it was in late fall or early winter. I remember it being very cold. My mother would dress me up warm so I could go outside and play. As soon as I went out the door, I would unzip my coat as I didn't like being warm. I liked the cold better. When I would come back in, my mother would say, Junior, that's what my mother used to call me. How many times did I have to tell you to keep your coat zipped up? You'll get sick. More or less, it went in one ear and out of the other. Anyways, she was right. I ended up getting sick. Really sick too, which I remember very well. My chest hurt badly, coughing, and it was hard to breathe, and having a fever as well. My mother and father both did their best to be doctors, but were unsuccessful. Now I can remember being carried to the car, and being wrapped up in a blanket. I remember my mother opening the car door, and her getting in, and my father handing me to her. My father got into the car and started it, putting it into gear, and started to drive it out of the drive. I fell asleep before he made it to the road. We headed to the hospital. All I wanted to do was sleep because I was so sick. The next thing I remember was being held by my mother with my head over her left shoulder. My father was standing to her left as I heard my parents talking to a doctor. It could have been two doctors. It sounded like they were in a heated argument and my mother was crying. I fell back to sleep. I don't remember anything until... I'm jumping several years ahead to explain something now. My parents told me after I was a few years old so I would understand. They told me when I was sick I had pneumonia and took me to the hospital. The hospital doctors would not admit me into the hospital because there was nothing they could do for me. He is going to die. Take him home and let him die at home so you can be with him when he dies. That's what they told me. I did die too. I was leaving the vessel or the earthly body. I left through the chest. I could see the flesh and bones, rib bones, I went at an angle to the foot of my bed, maybe three to four feet above the footboard. I was very happy to be out of the vessel. I was cramped when I was in that vessel. The vessel body was too small for what I was. 
I knew someone was to meet me, but no one was there. Just hovering in the room, I'm seeing in a different way. The walls are somewhat transparent. I can see what I look like, and also I am not from this world. I am from a different dimension. Being I was not met, I started to look around in the room. I did a 180 degree turn to my left. I can see the vessel left, I left, but I had to tilt a little forward and I could see the vessel I came from very well. I have no feeling for it whatsoever. I could see its head was turned to the right and I could see the tongue was sticking out of the mouth a little and to the right. I knew the vessel was dead. I turned back 180 degrees to my right. Now there is a doorway and way back is a bright light but it's not a blinding light. I knew it was the way to my real home. I was just about to go through it when I noticed a small black object to the right of the doorway. So I just hold myself back from going through the doorway. I keep watching it and it's moving slowly forward towards me. Slowly it's taking a form. I start to see a torso, then a head, then arms, legs. As it's getting closer it stops, I would say 25 to 30 feet from the doorway. I am wondering why I'm being shown this image. Then a voice says, so you will not be afraid. What I was shown was very tall ETs. I was not afraid anyways. Then it said, it's not your time to die. You have to go back. I didn't want to go back though. Then it was like something was making me go back into the vessel. Again I can see going through flesh and bones, rib bones. After I'm back in the vessel I start to wake up but I'm still very sick. As I'm laying there I receive a telepathic message at the time, being so young I didn't know what telepathic meant. This message was, sit up and take the jar off the table. Take the jar from the table, open it and eat it all. I replied back saying, I can't, I'm too sick. Then it said through me, I will help you. Then I felt something enter into my chest. Now, I'm thinking there is not enough room in my body for you. It's making me feel very uncomfortable. It's making it hard to breathe. I sit up, take the jar off my nightstand, open it and eat all of it. It was terrible, but I ate it all. Then I laid back down and fell asleep. Next thing I remember was my mother shaking me to wake me up. She asked me over and over, how did you open the jar? She went on asking me, did you eat all that? I don't remember my answers, where I was still not feeling very well. That is what saved my life, by eating all of that nasty stuff in that jar. Note, the jar was a jar of Vicks Vapor Rub. I'd just like to say here, do not eat Vicks Vapor Rub. It's not very nice. Now, when I was out of the body and I was talked to, I heard it from every part of what I was. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I've read quite a few stories about near-death experiences and I've heard a few on some other podcasts as well, but I don't think I've heard one single story that has been that detailed. So thank you very much, Jim, for that. That is very, very, 
very good indeed very detailed and that is what we want that's what we like to hear jason wrote in 1987 my friend and i climbed up an old water tower it was dark at the same time we both saw three white bright lights come together as one flash the three take off in three different directions very very fast we both saw this at the same time thanks for that jason that actually reminds me of my own ufo experience back in 1999 which forms the first episode of this podcast it is called ufos over mitcham common a few weeks ago i posed a question on facebook what got you interested in ufos now i expected to get a few replies i was not expecting to get as many as i did and we got loads William answered the question by saying it was the year 1989, around the middle of July. The clock just struck midnight on a hot summer night. My grandmother and I were outside staring up at the beautiful clear night sky. And there it was, that thing you can't explain. Two glowing white dots way up in the sky. And then one dot shot a green laser beam at the other dot. Then the other dot shot a red laser beam back at the other dot that was shooting the green laser beam. But neither one was destroyed. This went on for about 30 minutes. I think it was some sort of communication. Very interesting there, William. Green and red lights being shone from one dot to another. I wonder what that could mean. What do you, what do you think about that? Mariuki wrote... While growing up in Kenya in East Africa, as a young lad barely able to comprehend about aerial phenomena, say for a few planes and choppers, not even rockets, I started hearing about flying saucers being sighted all over Nairobi, and for, what, for the first time I heard about the term UFO. I was about nine years old. I inquired from my primary school teacher and elder siblings what that was about. I received no answers. The then government made up a cover story that there was a roofing sheet company using the flying saucers to galvanise roofing sheets all over the country. It made no sense to me at all. The more I thought about it, the more sinister it felt. I started digging. Well, Mariuki, what did your digging turn up? What did you find? Please do tell us more. I'm waiting to know. I really am. Jonathan said, My real interest came when looking into all the large structures from across the globe. Being in the construction management field, knowing what is super complicated now and what they did thousands of years ago, like core drilling, moving 80 tonne of granite up a mountain, etc., to me it seems like we have had intervention and help for our entire existence. Also, humans don't seem to native to Earth to me. Look how long it takes for us to fend for ourselves. Then look at animals. They are walking for hours, in some cases, or swimming. Susan says, When my parents told me their story of seeing a UFO up close and personal in Mississippi circa 1977, they say it covered their entire line of sight above them, was a triangular in shape and had bright light in the centre base. 
made absolutely no sound even being that close to them and just hovered off near the Mississippi River. Other reports of that sighting were made that night apparently. I've been interested ever since and have also seen one of my also seen one myself. I have had reoccurring dreams of UFOs landing in my backyard and eventually came into my home and took my entire family. It was incredibly real. Definitely believe that we are not alone in this ever-expanding universe. John wrote, I saw one offshore, St. Augustine, Florida, August 1994. Myself and two naval officers spotted a silver highly reflective disc hovering to our starboard and out maybe 150 yards. It was motionless and about 30 feet above a calm sea. We observed it for approximately 5 to 8 minutes before it shot straight up and was out of eyesight within just seconds or so. We called it into the US Coast Guard station in Matanzas Inlet and were asked to give them our coordinates. We also docked hours later at the Coast Guard station and gave the officer of the deck full written accounts. He informed us that 86 other people had also called them during the ensuing day. A month later, the Florida Times Union newspaper sent reporters to interview all three of us. It made the newspaper. The sighting occurred at about 6.40am and we were heading 98 degrees due east of St. Augustine at 7 nautical miles offshore. Danny also wrote a story that was not too dissimilar to my own sighting of UFOs over Mitchum Common back in 1999. He said that he has been interested in that kind of thing since he was about 10 years old. He used to go to the coast in Northern California every year for the 4th of July and we would see who could spot the most satellites. One year I saw about nine travel to one area, form a circle, stayed like that for about 10 seconds and then they all shot off in different directions like shooting stars. I have witnessed things several times in my lifetime, still Look to the stars almost every night. Nicholas sent a story. He said, My first sighting, summer 2006. It was a white rocket shaped with no fins or wings, no propeller. It made no sound and it flew about 50, 60 feet away from me just over a three-story block of flats. I watched it fly away over my local park. As it flew over the trees, it stopped, then went higher then the trees then set off again. I have been seeing them ever since. Jim replied to Nicholas saying, What you described sounds like what could have been a cigar-shaped UFO. I saw one several years ago. It was close to the July the 4th weekend as at first I thought it was fireworks because I only seen it first from the corner of my right eye. I turned so I could get a good look at it it was too far up in the, in the sky. It was going at about 45 degree angle. Looked like it went right up into space where I couldn't see it anymore. Nicholas responded back to Jim by saying, It was about as long as a car and about three foot in diameter. And it was a hot sunny day so I could see it very clearly. Another Jim writes in and tells us, Close encounter of the third kind. 
25 to 30 meters slow moving silence cigar shaped UAP that disappeared into the sea leading to later related first experiences. I absolutely know they exist but sadly can't be explained and are beyond any normal reasoning or comprehension. Whether I'm believed or not is not a matter to me. Changed my life? Damn right it did. But that's a long story. These real experiences will stay with me vividly and as clear as my first encounter the night in June 1983 until I take my last earthly breath. Mikhail has written in from Sweden and tells us on the 18th of November at midnight, walking on a bridge island outside Gothenburg, a blue-coloured UFO flying under the bridge distance 20 metres, six other blue-coloured UFOs, that night total seven. Who are they? I'm a church Christian man, I believe they are fallen angels and that they show up, then something bad is going to happen. The gift I got as a Christian, I am a true dreamer. The UFOs show up in the same area as my dream. My dream was not nice. Gothenburg and all the islands outside Gothenburg will in time be flooded, same as Thailand in 2004. The strong blue light of the UFO made the night same as bright as the day, but I could only see the couple of 4 by 4 meters wide. Graham says, for myself, it was always like a dormant interest. I think that's for a lot of people as well. But I was always very heavily into aviation. And then came Nicky Campbell's late night radio shows on Radio 2, BBC Radio 2 in the UK. He did a series of interviews with Tim Good, and that was the spark. Anyone who knows me knows full well that I am not totally convinced by anything posted or spoken about, as by far and away the vast majority have logical explanations in my opinion. But there is always a small minority that defy logic, and also are beyond the science of physics that we know so far. I am now in my 65th journey around our star, but unfortunately I don't think we will ever get to know if travellers from distant pastures have ever really visited our home planet of Earth. Cheers. Cheers to you too, Graham. Thank you very much. And I do agree, I think there's... I don't think we're ever really going to know if aliens have been here before or now. Hopefully we do, and I do hope that Maggie Zed's uh, thoughts on the matter uh, do come true that we are being primed for some sort of disclosure hopefully real disclosure if you want to have a look at that go to the website www.ufosandops.com and just have a look at the page the thoughts of maggie zed she's been in touch again and she's told me her well her recent thoughts on the the recent ufo phenomenon that happened over north america you know, the Chinese uh, spy balloon and all that stuff. Have a little look. Ruth says, I saw one two years ago. No tail, no nose, window or cockpit. Cylinder, low flying too in daylight near a beach. Started my own research because society doesn't talk about it or people are conditioned to think that you are mad. Yet seeing... Nothing else strange all around me and knowing I wasn't in a state of hallucination or in a daydream. 
I simply saw a flying object not of our making and wanted to know more. Discussed it with a few people. Here's what the two people who didn't laugh said. 1. I saw a tic-tac other side of the island some years ago. Very white light, shiny. 2. I saw three tiny men, like the Greys description, on an army base when I was a child. They were skinny, in their legs and the arms, naked, had no private parts like us. The things kids notice, eh? Fits the description and the tic-tacs are very common too. I set them both off on an adventure via Dr. Greer online. That's obviously Dr. Stephen Greer. Everybody who listens to this podcast must know who Dr. Stephen Greer is. If you don't, find out. You'll be doing yourself a big favour. We've got a lot of messages in from Denmark. Birgit wrote, I experienced something 40 years ago that piqued my interest. I live on Samsu and last night I walked the dogs through the dark little village, stood by the street and the dogs were running around. Then three big round lights came over me. They were almost sitting in a triangle. They stayed right above me for a while. The dogs reacted by standing at my feet. I was stunned and woke up a few neighbours when I had to tell someone. They thought I was crazy, but I knew what I had seen. I haven't seen anything since, but I'm very, very interested in the topic. Cindy says, and I find this quite interesting actually, because it sort of joins the the religion into into the subject. Many years ago, I was watching Billy Graham a Pentecostal evangelist. I've been to see him myself at Crystal Palace back in the 80s. Very interesting person. Someone asked him if we believe, if he believed sorry, in UFOs. I was surprised when this well-known man of God and preacher and teacher said, yes. He believed that God didn't just create us, the heavens, earth and all that abound. That, yes, he believed there's other beings out there. So I just thought, okay. We're getting messages from everybody everywhere. Anderson has written in from Greenland. That's right, Greenland, childhood in Nuuk in the 1970s was filled with UFO stories. Just like all over the coast, you could hear somebody tell on a local radio stations and people were generally very open about it, as I remember. And I can remember spotting a UFO myself for a period a bit high north of us, I block five where we lived. Thank you very much, Anderson. That is interesting. A message coming in all the way from Greenland. Preben from Denmark says, Reading science fiction raised the obvious question for me. Is there life out there? That is the biggest question in the galaxy, I think, Preben. Since it is quite obvious that there is life out there, because it would be illogical that there isn't, it almost follows without itself that the next question is, have they been out there or are they here on Earth? It seems to me that the answer to the question is not only a matter of logic, but to a great extent, a question of faith. Intriguing. Ibe, also from Denmark, has written in, 
it was H.C. Peterson who was employed in Skridstrup at the airport 50 years ago. Sorry, my pronunciation is terrible. H.C. was an incredibly friendly and helpful and was lively interested in everything about UFOs, even though it was nothing the Air Force had interest in hearing or talking about. P.S. What's out there in the universe is going to be a whole today, but not in Denmark, but the United States has now released some info about alien mysteries which can't be explained with anything known in our world. Among the other things, the speed the and obviously the flying alien objects have lifted the law of gravity and one of us earthlings is using the form of forward movement, silent and flying at speeds we do not understand. And the fact that the objects also dive into the water is a bit exciting for us. I think within a few years we will have a lot more information about alien contacts, which is inexplicable at the moment. Looking forward to it, but there will probably be something that will have major consequences for us Earthlings in the future. We will probably also get insights into a world our imagination cannot handle. Therefore, we will probably get the knowledge we can handle and later we will gradually gain more and more knowledge if we can behave properly and use the knowledge we are given by those who came, come from abroad. Hello from someone who is waiting, says Ib. Ib, you are not the only one who is waiting for this knowledge. Let's have it all now. I think we can be trusted. Maybe some people in the world can't but we can. Thank you very much, Ib. The next one, ladies and gentlemen, is from somebody called JR, and this is a corker. Are you sitting comfortably? Then let's begin. JR wrote, The tall greys were abducting and transporting us because in 1969 we didn't have the technology to do it. We had many briefings, but I would just tell you about three of them. They are not in order, so I'm just going to name them one, two and three. Briefing one. Now, what we were told in this briefing was that we would be working with the one group of four ETs, different planets, 20 from each planet, 80, and making us 100, a coalition. This is what we were told. This one group of ETs was going to invade five planets, Earth and the four other planets. The other ET races would be working with. On this list, given to us by the group of five, Earth was number three on the list. What this group of ETs wanted was any and all resources that they could use from all five planets. We were not told what the resources were, but I had a funny feeling that we could have been part of the resources. Then, how they were going to invade each planet was going to be in two stages. One was they were going to send an advance group to each planet and infiltrate the governments and or ruling powers, also infiltrate, infiltrate the military to find out whatever means they used to defend their planets. We were also told that they were shapeshifters. 
and that they could make themselves look like us humans or any one of the other ETs we would be working with. This is how they were going to do it. One big ship with smaller ships on board was going to land on an asteroid that was going to be cl going close to the first planet. And th when it got close, they would use a smaller craft to, to jump off and to fly undetected to that planet. We were also told that they were going to kill everything living on all five planets and that when we when they got all the resources from the planets they needed, each planet would end up like Mars is today. Barren. So our mission, the mission's name was the Ambush, is to stop the advance group and we would be fighting them on an asteroid way before it got to the first planet. Then he told us, we had to kill every last one of them and he told us he was very strict about this we had to shoot them in the face twice and only in the face at point blank range and the big ship with the smaller ships in it all had to be destroyed because then the invading ET main forces would think it was a blown mission and call the invasion off all I can tell you about that part is that we were told the group of five gave us all intel. When, where, how, why and which planets. Briefing 2. Training. Not your normal military training. This briefing was about how to use a weapon that was on loan from a group of five. One of these weapons was lying on a table. You could see through it. It was like glass. We're told it's a plasma rifle. I'm looking at it and I see no trigger. We ask, how does it work? He replies, with your own thoughts. I thought, okay. The barrel is like a U-shape and has a rifle stock and no trigger. How it was fired was by you thinking it to fire. Each of us got one, and once you mastered how to fire it, it was yours. No one else could pick it up and fire it. The damnedest thing I ever used. It took forever to master it, though. I shot a plasma ball about the size of a tennis ball, and the ball would start out bright red, and as it moved up the tube midpoint, it would change to a blue colour. By the time it got to the end of the tube, it would really be bright blue in colour. Now the CEO said the rifle was made this way, like glass, clear, so if something happened to us, the other ET couldn't see it, and if they stepped on it, it would break apart. They did not want the bad ETs to have the technology on how they worked. After being briefed on how they work, we were told that their technology is thousands and thousands of years more advanced than ours here on Earth. Sorry, one thing I forgot to mention was our CEO told us that to use the weapon, it could only be thought to humans at the age of 16. We also had spacesuits, not like NASA astronauts wear. They were tight, not bulky and the helmet fit snug on your head. The helmet had a built-in translator so everyone could understand one another. Briefing number three. 
was about how we were going to get to the asteroid and how things were going to work. He also said we would be put to sleep on the ship because it was going to take a little time to get to the asteroid. We're going to a different star system after all. The Greys were taking us, 100 of us, 20 from each planet and the non-extraterrestrial officers to oversee everything. Now, when it was time to leave, we humans were the last ones to get on the ship. The four other races were on board already. We have our spacesuits on, weapons with us, etc, etc. We each had a small cube to sit in and when the door closed, it was pitch black. We are going to take a nap, so we will be fresh and alert for whatever next. We are headed for a different star system, remember. The next thing I remember was the doors open and light was shining the area up so we could see. We were ordered to unboard. The ship didn't land, it was a foot or two off the surface of the asteroid. Now I don't know how they did it, but it was like they ploughed a strip of the asteroid and made a bank in front of a small box canyon. So whatever was coming out our way had to climb up the bank they made to get out. Now we get out and all of us climb up the bank and get ready. I have no one to the right of me. Everyone is to my left. The ship closes its doors and leaves no light. It's so damn dark, blacker than black. If you took your helmet off, you wouldn't be able to see the end of your nose on your face. Now the helmet has a very dark shield. If someone was looking at you, they couldn't see you. There were two small lights built inside the helmet, about even with your eyes, and not very bright. You could see maybe three foot in front of you. We were told the other ETs had not landed yet. Maybe 15 or 20 minutes go by, message. They have landed, be ready. It wasn't long after that they came. It must have been a scouting party of them. There are just a few of them. Suddenly one is in front of the ET next to me. He fires once, then suddenly there is one in front of me. I fire twice, then turn a little and shoot the one the ET had only shot once. I got to see what it looked like just for a fraction of a second. Not sure what I saw. After seeing it, I thought everyone was going to die. They were big as hell and they had five fingers and a thumb. The ET next to me slid down the bank a little. I looked at him. I can see his suit on his left arm is ripped and leaking whatever it is that he's breathing and his arm is injured in the same spot as the rip on his suit. I slid down the bank where he's at. I got from my medkit a tourniquet and wrapped his arm to stop what was leaking out of his suit and the wound on his arm. I go back to my position on the bank, but I hear him crying, so I ask him what's wrong. He says, I can't do it. I asked, can't do what? He said, kill. My race doesn't kill for any reason. We are benevolent. Now I'm in a panic and I call out, we got a weak spot in the line. I'm thinking, man, we're all dead. There are 19 more of his kind. Are they all going to do this? Then I say to him, look at your arm. You see that? 
that's what they're going to do to you and to your people. But much worse, they're going to kill all of your people. After a few seconds, he said he would do it. Translator was built into the helmet so we could understand each other. Anyways, after that scouting party must have called for help or whatever because the rest of them came. I'm just going to say it was a hell of a fight. It felt like forever. But it was only for an hour or so. After the fighting was over, the ship that brought us came back to pick us up. We were ordered to get on board. I don't think I was the only one that did this, but I wanted to see what we were fighting. Oh, by the way, they also had spacesuits on and a helmet. Nothing to breathe on the asteroid. So I got up and looked over the bank to see if I could see what we had killed. The light in my helmet wasn't bright enough, so I couldn't see it. Then there was a bright flash. The ships got blown up. It must have been done by a different ship that was sent along with us. From the flash I got to see just for a fraction of a second maybe 200 to 300 of them. I also know why we were ordered to shoot them twice in the face. First shot to broke the face shield, second shot to get them in the face to kill them. Now the ET next to me shot his just once and I shot it a second time. I got just a glimpse of what they looked like. The only thing that comes to mind was what I saw was like a dinosaur or a lizard. They were big. No way in a hand-to-hand -hand combat would a human win. Past its cheekbone and about where the ears are located, its face flared out from its face on both sides. Okay. After going up to the top of the bank, I guess I'm, it made our commander mad from some of us not getting on board the ship because he barked out for us to get on board. So we did. The door closed and the next thing I remember was being held down on a table by four small greys holding me on each side with its three fingers and hands pushing down on my shoulder and elbow, one on each arm then one pushing just above my knee and holding my ankle on both sides. I'm moving my head from side to side. I thought I got wounded and I was looking to see where I was wounded, but I saw nothing. Now I'm wondering, why are they holding me down? I looked right in the eyes of the one on my left side. Its face and my face are like 10 inches apart. There is a very bright light over my head, like what's in an operating room. I can't look directly at it as it's too bright. Then all of a sudden, out of the dark, a very tall grey, 8 plus feet tall, appears on my left hand side and it walks up to my midsection, places its left hand just below my sternum its three fingers are very long. Then with its right hand it reaches up to the light. Its head is blocking the light somewhat so I can now see. It grabs something and starts pulling it towards my face. I'm seeing what looks like a giant syringe, like four inches or bigger in diameter and the needle size of a pencil. It's coming right for my right eye with it. 
I'm thinking, my God, that's going to hurt like hell. As it got closer, I could see the needle did not have a tip. It was blunt, then it was no longer coming towards my eye, but from my forehead, just above my right eye, and towards the centre of my forehead, as soon as it touched me, it was lights out. When I was on the table, I was much older than when I was like 26 or 28 years old. Something else I remember is one time I was in a tube. I was sleeping in this tube. I woke up. I didn't think I was supposed to, but I did. I was freezing like a human popsicle. I was in my t-shirt and briefs and the tube was white with some clear spots and it was going super fast. I could see stars, but I was moving so fast it made them look like a picket fence standing on end. Was I doing some sort of time travel? Anyways, I fell back to sleep. Next thing I remember was waking up in my bed just like the last two times, but now I am 16 again, the same age I was when I left. Blimey, thank you very much for that, JR. That is a very long and detailed story indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, what do you think about that? What do you think about all the stories uh, that have been told today in this part one of Your Stories 2023? Please do let us know by the website or you can go on the uh, Facebook page, of course. That's www.ufosandops.com. You can go down to the contact form at the bottom there and you can let us know what you think. Also, like I said, you can go on the Facebook page that is simply UFOs and other paranormal stuff. A lot of people have said that the various incidents like Rendlesham Forest, Pascagoula, uh, Roswell convinced them that there was something else inhabiting this universe with us. Many have said that they were unaware or unconvinced until they picked up and read books like Chariots of the Gods by Eric von Daniken, Trinity by Jacques Vallée and others, as well as watching the movies like Close Encounters of the Third Kind and things like that. I would really love to know what made you interested in UFOs. So do get onto the website, get onto the contact form, get onto the Facebook page and let us know. We have another Your Stories episode, well, part two for this one, uh, coming up in a week or two's time. So get your entries in. Let me know. Don't forget, while you're at the website, you can have a little look at the shop, see if there's anything you like there. There's a 20% discount going on. I think that's got, uh, got about seven days left. So yes, ladies and gentlemen, have a little look and see what you fancy. Anyway, for now, that is it from me. Until next time, when we come back to you with part two of Your Stories 2023, take care.